0: Right, Hey this is it This is Psychotronicast I'm Al Berg blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm Mushmouthberg yeah. And the talent is Derek Estes uh, Check us out on Facebook On Instagram Like us on all the things We're on Apple Podcasts LastFN Google Play And pretty much wherever Podcasts are readily available Especially on our website PsychotronicCast.com, Where it has every single episode We've ever done Chronicologically Chronologically There yeah. it is Plus two of our short films that we did, Laced and the other one being Four Courses in Grey, Portland. We've done <laughs> like just a small handful of reviews for uh, releases, but it's mostly podcasts there, so check them out! Anyway, to get back into the science fiction apocalypse mega blockbuster, not really, but a block, is uh, Derek Estes telling us. What the hell we're getting us
1: into? All right, so after uh, you know, in the, in the middle of this, the series so of doing a four for the apocalypse, I guess. to give Yeah. It a little, not Dolcio Fulci. Um, I, I kind of want to you know play riffs on the theme. It's like a, this American life. It's like huh. we present a theme, and then we present you four stories based on this theme. Um, so along with the theme of the apocalypse, uh. We had already done the time machine, and I decided that I wanted to switch over into a little bit into the '70s and deal with Soylent Green. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's an awesome movie. It's kind of, uh, you know, a good early part of this new wave of uh, of post-apocalyptic movies, but it's also right in the middle of of Charlton Heston's really great run of uh, apocalyptic movies, uh, starting with. Uh, planet of the apes uh this movie and then the omega man that's great um yeah i i totally love all these movies and and this one's
0: great i've only seen it once and i wasn't really paying attention and it was in high school and it was the first time that i finger banged my high school uh, sweetheart
1: oh yeah so
0: we were upstairs her parents living room soylent pig. soylent pink soylent stink. Uh, <laughs> the, uh no. they're they like they lived in a giant house. They're fucking Mormon, so they had like a million kids, and he had a giant two story, and the living room was on the second floor, their second living room, and they had all of his DVDs and whatever because he's really into film because he used to be a film extra. The dad, he made me watch that movie Son in Law with Pauly Shore because Ooh. he played the school principal. True story. <laughs> uh, we wa- we were watching Soil of just me and her, and they were downstairs, the whole family, you know. Fucking each other or playing Yahtzee who knows they're Mormon and yeah I was just into the movie and then I was into her if you know what I'm saying Yeah. and uh, that was it that's all I really remember about this movie was I remember that
1: I liked what I saw and I liked what I felt and I can't wait to feel it all over again here we go (laughs) alright so uh, we'll be right back after we watch the movie alright see you then
0: This film kicks off just straight up at the beginning. You just heard the music, but the photo montage of just, like, real photos. just, just going just, like,
1: uh, you know, the end of, you know, healthy society, or, you know. Yeah. It just goes from, you know, like, the late 1800s all the way up to, like, you know, traffic congestion. and One of the things about this movie, I guess, so, like, uh, what I, I like about this movie and things it makes it a little different than some of the other movies that... We have or we'll talk about is the fact that uh, this movie really is like tuned into the early '70s consciousness of the ecology. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this movie isn't like some of these movies we, we're going you know in the genre where it's like there's been one big event like there's usually like a nuclear disaster or maybe there's been like a meteoroid or you know, there's something that's uh, some major event that's caused this. Um, this movie, it's just like been the slow, like both the overpopulation of humans and then also like the greenhouse effect and you know, all of these kind of like, um, you know, other things. And you, you really even sense like in the outside stuff, like you know, all of the like green yellow air, yeah, and, you know. And I like how they
0: they paint this picture, um, kind of reminds me, or vice versa. Uh, did you watch? You watched uh, uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. How you know some people have a problem with the fact of the movie being too slow? Where it's like, well, they had to show how bad that was to show how bad this was, mm-hmm. to show how bad that, like from going from jail to jail and getting worse and worse. Yeah, like a very very uh, small scale version of this happened at the beginning when you showed Charlton Heston and his boy in their apartment,
1: and uh, by boy, I mean old-ass man. Yeah, Uh, Edward G. Robinson. Edward G. Robinson. This is, like, his last movie, too, and he, yeah, it's... We'll get to that later, but it's
0: crazy. So, it shows their, like, little shitty apartment and what they do to survive, and he's a cop or whatever. You're like, damn, those are the ruins. And then he walks out of his apartment to find, like, hundreds of people sleeping in his building, like, on the staircase, in the stairwell, like... He's stepping over people as he's trying to get on with his day. And you're like, oh, that's bad. Yeah. So, uh, really quickly, I really
1: like how this movie paints these pictures like, oh, shit's fucked. It's really good, too. I think, um, you know, later on in the the 70s, I think, especially with Star Wars, um, it's kind of the movie that is usually credited with um, adding grit to science fiction because a lot of science fiction. Till this point, and even a little bit afterwards, you know, if you're seeing, um, uh, the future, even if it's kind of dystopian, usually everything's very clean. You know, everything's very, like, futuristic. Yeah. You know, like, things might suck, and you might have, like, you know, kind of big brother, you might, you know, there'll there be other things, uh, fucking with you, but this movie, I think, really shows, I mean, because of the fact that they're, they're trying to show, like, the fact that we're poisoning the earth, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, pollution of all sorts, um, you know, it really is like gritty and gross. You know, in a lot of ways. And I mean, speaking of gritty and gross, <laughs> uh,
0: I've been watching a lot of films lately in the late sixties, early seventies, mid seventies period. Yeah, and it was always a joke in Hollywood where it's just like the leading man's always with a much younger woman. Mm-hmm. But here's just another case into it, and it's like they don't do it anymore. Like I, I mean, that I know of, like every. Movie I've seen, the last I, everyone's getting more prevy to the idea of like, oh, yeah, we can't be fucking with shit like that. Yeah,
1: totally. You can't so, have these old men with the hot new babe. Yeah. yeah. It's not as, I mean, I.
0: Yeah, I I mean I understand where this movie's coming from, and that's fine. And I can find excuses for every film, just yeah. like how I was mentioning in an earlier podcast, like network. It's like, oh, uh, Faye Dunaway has a daddy complex, yeah, and that is her one sentence to get out of the fact that she's with a man twenty five years older than her.
1: That's true, sure. Though, and just William like Holden, her, well, yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah, <laughs> Liam <laughs> Holden is still kind of has you know like his history is sexy. Charlton Heston is kind of like I mean I I love him in movies, yeah, uh, but he is. A, a crazy person. He's a super crazy person. Um, I was just <laughs>
0: reading up a little bit on him. After his boy, Bobby K, even though he wasn't a Democrat, which everyone knows, Bobby mm-hmm. Kennedy got assassinated. He called for a uh, gun um, pullback and like, you know, like uh, oh, really? gun control and stuff like that. And then he became the face of the NRA. Oh, yeah. Totally. So it shows you how... Like hold
1: dead hands. Yeah. That. Yeah. Oh, that, that whole deal. Yeah. That's a... Uh, that, that's Chuck-ass for you. I know, but it's funny because, you know, with him, you know, I mean, so, you know, Charlton Heston, just to talk about him for a second, you know, he's kind of, it's interesting that, you know, the way that a lot of um, aging actors were being used at this period, especially in, by the time this is the 70s, so this is even kind of after the whole Easy Riders, you know, like the myth of the young Turks kind of coming in and taking this over, but, um, you know, see, with women, Stars like they'd already kind of like moved into a lot of genre films. You had like the kind of like what they call like uh hag exploitation, uh, you know, bitty horrors, you know, kind of like you know, stuff like you know, Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, even you know, Ava Gardner, you know, they, they were kind of moving into a lot of these horror movies. But this movie is kind of interesting because it kind of has um, a stable of aging actors, um. In you know, kind of being used in interesting ways, but Charlton Heston really kind of created this little mini niche where he was doing these sci fi movies. and mean, Planet of the Apes is the first one, oh, yeah, and he really just like nailed it and he got it. But it was like he was able to kind of spin it into like kind of um, a little boost his career because he, I mean, he'd done you know in the 50s like the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm, Ben Ben Hur, and you know, he'd done A Touch of Evil with Orson Welles, and he, he was a lot of these like kind of really big. You know, like giant roles. Yeah. You know, but he kind of dipped away for a little while. I mean, you know, there's kind of a little period where you know he's not like between Ben Hur and Planet of the Apes. Like, I off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything he really did.
0: Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of this kind of Hollywood as like an old old boys club, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's still it's not really relatable. I mean, I'm sure there's like exceptions today but it's not the way it was then there's still a little bit of shades of that in like um, professional sports like there's this really shitty coach for the NFL named Jeff Fisher mm-hmm. and if anybody likes the NFL out there they know that Jeff Fisher is a terrible head coach but he's been a part of the NFL for like 40 years both as a player and as an assistant and as a head time head coach he'll always find work in the NFL even though he doesn't deserve it yeah and I'm not saying that uh, Charlton Heston doesn't deserve it, <laughs> but I feel like there are a lot of, uh, films in this caliber. Like I was watching on filmstruck, um, not too long ago that, um, the Yakuza or uh, well, yeah. just are nothing but like yeah. ancient people. We're like, you know what would have made this film better? Younger people yeah. that probably needed this role, but mm-hmm. you know, you're a good old boy. So they're going to still find you stuff for MGM. Yeah. Totally. Um, Heston doesn't fit that bill, uh, but it is interesting watching these films and being like, if this was this day and age, it would be a little bit different. Like, I was explaining to you earlier today how I I had watched Alien Covenant, but but they can go both ways. Where you watch Alien Covenant, which is the newest Alien, which is a prequel of the original, and everyone's so beautiful and young and gorgeous besides Danny McBride. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Mac, but it's true, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're listening, uh, with, uh, but I love you, uh, <laughs> Vice Principals, rocks, um, but, you know, like, Tom Scarrett and, uh, uh, was it, Harry Dean Stanton, Harry
1: Dean Stanton, and all those and boys, Hurt like, and, yeah. yeah,
0: like, all, like, uh, uh, none of them are babes, none of them, but, it was awesome, and it worked, and it was incredible, and as, actually, Covenant that was retarded, because it's just like, here are all these like uh, dime pieces. Including Michael Fassbender, but he's the only one that oh, sold yeah. the show. Uh, so, I guess it, it, it kind of goes both ways. It's like, do, yeah. y- do you want eye candy, or do you want like experience? Exactly. And uh, you have a little
1: bit of both. I mean, at this point, you have the point where some of these guys are aging, and they're getting kind of craggy. And I mean, not that like Charlton Heston was ever like a sex symbol. He wasn't Rock Hudson. Uh, but you know, he, he definitely had a presence. I think he still has a presence in this movie, but, you know, you, all the other people that you have filling it, you have, a uh, well, I guess getting into the story, uh, you know, the next scene, we end up, we're introduced to uh, Simonson, who's played by Joseph Cotton. Um, he's another legendary actor. He was, you know, in Orson Welles' Mercury Theater trip. He was in Citizen Kane, and he had done, like, a whole series of um, great movies, particularly in the 40s. Uh, like with Hitchcock's Shadow of the Doubt and, um, you know, a a number of things. But at this point, he was really embracing doing genre movies. Like he, you know, did *Baron Blood with Mario Bava. Um, He had done, uh, you know, Lady Frankenstein. I mean, he was really doing a lot of uh, these more genre movies. And he has kind of a really small part in this. I mean, it's a pivotal character, but uh, he's... Really, only in one kind of extended scene, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you meet Simonson, and he's with um, his uh, what they refer to in this movie as furniture, and it is crazy. It's basically in this movie, and it kind of took me. uh, I I honestly couldn't totally understand for a while uh, if the the women, uh, the furniture, were. Like real life women, human women, or if they were some sort of like android, um, I guess because it was so crazy. And the the in the concept of this movie in this world is that uh, in New York in twenty twenty two, yep, um, that women come with the apartment, so you get a fully furnished apartment coming with a babe. Yeah, um, and so you in the first scene we see. Uh, Joseph Cotton Samson, his, Samson. 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 Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Simonson, sorry. There it is. Uh, he has bought his furniture a video game. And it's so amazing. It's this giant, like, arcade console, like really, like, two steps above Pong. Yeah. Um, it belongs
0: yeah. in the Clockwork Orange
1: Milk Bar. Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, it's sexy. I wouldn't... If someone gave it to me, I would take it. <laughs> um, but it's also really amazing thinking in 2022, if someone, but maybe, maybe they would. They'd be they're a nostalgic freak.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of arcade bars in this city, and I go to yeah. them, so... Uh, so, yeah, be, you, you oh. see
1: this. You also see... Well, I guess right before this, uh, there's a, a brief scene where you see a man in kind of a... A pink hat and sunglasses give a crowbar to a degenerate in like an old 70s like station wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you watch him. It's cool because a lot of the exterior sets are really well designed. They give like a really like, uh, you know, kind of this like uh, almost beautiful, like almost, you know, like a, you know, a beautiful metropolis like city that's fallen into decay. Yeah. Uh, so you get a lot of like old decay, but you also see stuff that looks kind of like modern and impressive, but also like filthy and depressing. Uh, so you see this guy kind of you know uses crowbar and climb up this wall, and he he busts into this building to assassinate uh, Simonson uh, because Simonson is a part of the Soylent Corporation and apparently the people sending him to assassinate him are afraid that he's going to blow things up Mm -hmm. and cause a problem. And he understands that and he's really resigned. It it reminds me of um, Burt Lancaster and the Killers where it's like the assassins show up and he just lays back and he's like, this is what's happening. He's like, that's not right but what has to happen, you know? Um, And he understands that. So he gets uh, killed with this Crowbar deal. It's crowbar. Um, and, you know, it gets, you know, his, his body ends up being discovered. Um, What's crazy
0: is, uh, as this is happening, the furniture is going on a little um, grocery store run. Mm-hmm. In which I believe the furniture, which I'm sorry, ladies out there.
1: Mm-hmm. But, hey, it doesn't. It, it, oh, she doesn't. Well, it is, her, her name is Cheryl.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah um she's a she i believe she's real because they asked the age and everything yeah. and it's like if she wasn't real or if she w- wasn't an android there would be no age to it so exactly obviously she is human that doesn't age very well in this
1: movie i get it yeah but um it's
0: still an interesting concept yeah and uh that was even I think you more you also
1: get into like you know along with like the uh the concept of this movie, they always think you have like this kind of feminist element to. It. I mean, I think that is all underlined to the point to like draw attention to it. But you're, you know, it's like the we polluted the air, we're abusing mm. the women. We're, yeah, you know, there's an agenda. Yeah,
0: dudes suck. Yeah, and uh, the shopping spree is incredible because she just gets like a couple tomatoes that look like they're about to go, and like a so- like a floppy piece of celery. And <laughs> like brown on the edges. Yeah, and then just like some cut of beef, you know, we'll call it top sirloin. Yeah. And it was like, what, almost $300? Or D's, Then yeah. you say dollars. Yeah. That'd be 300 D's. But um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead really much here. No, this is perfect. But when Heston comes to investigate the murder of the old rich boy, he is smitten because he's like, holy shit, what is that, bourbon? What is that, tomatoes? What are these, towels? Yeah, like, like, do
1: you have a food supply? Yeah. And he's, like, filling up a satin, like, pillowcase. And he's,
0: like, immediately out. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try and solve the case. But first things first, what's up with that bar soap over there? Yeah. And is this running water? Fuck me running. Yeah. And I. that's what I really like about this movie, like, those little things where they can sell, like, you know, they have that like shitty cut of beef and they have those like terrible vegetables and stuff on a table. And the scene where Heston and his boy are just like having that dinner and going to town, it feels like a million dollar scene. But like uh, yeah. they recorded it in like a dingy room with like, you know, 30 cents worth of produce and like a buck worth of beef. Yeah. But it's just like the fact that they sell it,
1: it's just, it's almost like it's when he en- presents in- it too, you know, and it's yeah. just like, and he's like all these things. Because earlier in the, the movie, when you know, the first big scene. Um, with Robinson and Heston, you know, he's talking about like, oh, you know, like they're talking about all the different soylents. There's like three soylents, there's soylent red, soylent yellow, and soylent green. Um, and he's like, I just that's not real food like when I was and you know, like so you know, if Edward Robinson was, say like in his seventies, that would be someone who had been born like, you know, and then say the 90, early 1950s or the mm-hmm. 40s. So this person had grown up, um, say, up to, the, you know, 1972, like, you know, at least in a, a period where you had, like, groceries. And yeah, had, yeah, Like, yeah. you had things. Uh, so, you know, he talks about a lot of these things and, you know, looking back at the past and and uh, Thorne, Heston's character, just doesn't totally understand it as he wouldn't. And then, you know having that just it, it seems yeah it's it awesome
0: is. because it's like the fir- this old man's first meal like this in years mm-hmm. and maybe heston's first ever mm-hmm. so i mean even the the scene where he's just trying like that piece of lettuce and he's like what like he is yeah. not he doesn't quite get it and he also doesn't know how to
1: quite eat it well it's even like i was saying like yeah i wonder if like you've been eating these weird like you know, like, protein chips mm-hmm. for, like, years and eating real food if your stomach can even handle it. Yeah,
0: and I, I have, you were telling me about that while we were watching the film, and it reminds me of two stories. I'll try and keep them quick. I know I'm mm-hmm. on one day. Oh. One is uh, somebody, some girl, kind of like a Tom Hanks situation, got rescued from an island. This is all hearsay. I'm sure I heard this before. Google was <laughs> invented, so who knows if this is real? But just take it with a grain of salt, yeah. sure. Uh, some girl gets rescued and uh, she, she's she been on this island forever. And then she comes out, and then they have this big, like, kind of Tom Hanks bash, like they do mm-hmm. at Castaway when he comes in. It's just, like, all this seafood on the table, and he's like, ugh, like, I don't need this. But uh, they give her some other shit, so he, she eats, like you know, oranges and like whatever fruits and vegetables that she hasn't had in years. And she ends up dying from it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's a real story, but I remember that story being told to me and I believed it. I mean, I believe it too. But the only thing I can relate that to is back in the day, I used to be addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. And when I was addicted to drugs, I spent all my money on drugs. So I would only eat instant oatmeal and uh, sugar free popsicles because they're super cheap and they just like fill you up.
1: Like when Bowie only was addicted to cocaine, all he would uh, drink was milk and chili peppers. Yeah,
0: something like that. That's I was on a Bowie diet. I mean, we're born on the same day, different year, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we still have that same trait. And yeah, I was just, you know, doing oxycotton, eating my <laughs> <It's> and oatmeal, <laughs> watching my stories, the huge. And uh, one day, my uh, roommate at the time came home and he bought a bunch of like really good steaks. And he grilled him up on the grill, and then me and my old druggy friends and my roommates or whatever, we all ate them up. And I remember that was like, the, I was like, fuck, is that the first time I've had beef in a couple months? Mm-hmm. And I thought like, oh shit, is that the first time I've had meat in a couple months? And I remember throwing it up within like 20 oh. minutes. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I threw up a lot at that house. Weird. <laughs> but uh, I remember I was like, oh shit. So I kind of see like after that dinner of those two apples, three tomatoes, and one head of lettuce. And that shitty cut of beef. Yeah, mm. I'm surprised he didn't call in sick the next day. But also, he says if you miss more than two
1: days, you're out the job. Yeah, you're out of job. Because there's like, there's 40 million people in New York <laughs> in this concept, okay? That is a lot of fucking people. So yeah, you're not going to keep, you're, you're out for one day if there's someone who wants your job. Mm-hmm. Go back just a second, there's, uh, after the death scene when uh, Thorne is kind of in the apartment, they end up calling uh, what they refer to as uh, waste disposal. And so these guys come and they wrap up the body and take it away. And Cheryl, the furniture, (laughs) she is like, oh, you know, when my grandmother died, like, there was a ceremony. And, you know, there's this whole thing in this movie, obviously, plays out. Uh that you know, people are just considered just waste. Because there's so many people. Mm-hmm. You just can't even... You, you, there's no time for ceremonies. There's 40 fucking million people in one city. Um, I mean, it's... It feels very real.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're going to be there someday. But hopefully um, we'll be long gone by then. Uh-huh. Uh
1: So, also, when, uh, when Thorne ends up coming to... You know, how many he, he presents... Uh, You know, all of the food he also brings, he has these books. He has, uh, it's the Soylent Oceanic, like, scientific report from like 2015 to 2019. Uh, it's also really funny, like, being right in uh, time wise, a lot of these movies, yeah, like being in that period. Like, I think you know, it's like Blade Runner takes place in 2019, I think, uh, even uh, Metropolis takes place in the early. You know, 2020s, uh, it's funny how this is kind of like this sweet spot Mm -hmm. that uh, for the past hundred years, people have been sending sci-fi movies in. Yeah. Um, But it's it's funny being right in the center of all of that. Um,
0: Yeah. I remember the first time I got interested in like the science fiction future. Uh, Oh no, I'm going to miss it. I remember it was in 1997 is where uh, the movie Terminator, which kind of pulls a little bit from Soil and Green, goes like when Judgment Day comes. It was sometime in 97, I remember being obviously alive, but also young enough that day to be very scared all day because I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. I was also like 11 years old, so there it is. <laughs> Take what you will. Um, but yeah, that, a lot of these like exterior scenes in the city remind me of like, they're just one chemical blast away from being in the Terminator future. Yeah. But it pretty much looks the same, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, and, and the fact that this was out so early, in like the early 70s, it reminds me of so many different things. I don't know, like, what came first the chicken or the egg. But obviously, George Orwell's way before this. Yeah. But um, it kind of had that kind of feel to me too almost it wasn't like as big brother as like 1984 because people had kind of their own lives then
1: yeah totally. but it's just
0: like it it, it, but it's like a much worse version of that or like thx 1138 Mm -hmm. it's like the worst kind of future you can possibly imagine because it's like here you are you're 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 in america but it's a third world country exactly and like well
1: even like there's all these little things like later on in the movie when Thorin is like, you know, I want to get out, you know, she's, well, you know, but he, oh, she's like, you should get out, like, after the whole thing, he's still talking about, like, you know, the two jo- two days, you lose your job, and uh, you should go somewhere else, and he's like, well, you know, go to another city, he's like, why, they're all the same, yeah. he's like, how about the countries, he's like, you can't go to the country, like, they're yeah. all being guarded, because they have to guard the farmlands, the same as you can't go to the ocean, because they're guarding, because he's like, there's, there are crazy people out there that would destroy all that we have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, all that you have? Yeah, no, real.
0: Like yeah. For, yeah, well, let real. It's even when Heston uh, sees a piece of furniture smoking a cigarette. Sorry, we're going to keep saying their furniture oh, yeah. because it's the only
1: chance you're going to get.
0: This is it, so get it. Yeah. Uh, and he takes the cig and takes a drag and goes like, oh, man, if I can afford these, I'd smoke two to three a day. <laughs> I know. And it's you're like... like it's got is beautiful because it's like wow he really starts but also it's like how wasteful are we like do we really need 20 cigarettes a day do we really need a smoke also, to have a packet well it's funny because it it,
1: that joke that joke joke still works still so, works that was also like he made that joke at the point when in real life you could buy a pack of cigarettes for like 30 cents yes you know like when I was smoking in the like. Late '90s, like you, you could get a pack of cigarettes for like like a, 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 a bucks something. Yeah, you know. I remember the first and pack of like cigarettes was twenty dollars and seventy five cents. Yeah,
0: and I would buy those for. I remember, when they I remember making jokes like someday
1: they're gonna charge five dollars for a pack of cigarettes because that seemed out. It, it seemed outrageous. Yeah, and then like. Now, like I remember once when I was still smoking, I, remember I was in New York and I paid like eleven dollars yeah. for a pack of cigarettes.
0: I remember when I was in Seattle. I sometimes when I get blackout drunk. I'm like, I'm smoking because I want the hangover to be that much worse in the morning. Yeah, exactly. But it was like ten fifty for a pack of cigarettes. I'm like, they're parliaments. And you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always think i just like, well, how much money have you spent on cocaine? I know, right? It's like, well, all cheaper
1: right, than <laughs> cheaper than cocaine. Cheaper um, than so- cocaine. So. You, uh, Thorne ends up going into, uh, the, uh, the office in this, like, crazy government bureau where you have, like, on one side of the aisle, you have the people, like, getting their death benefits, and you have people, like, you know, getting their, like, kind of, like, food rations, whatever. Uh, he steps in, and he talks to his boss. Uh, also, like, this is just a little side thing, on it could be totally just not real, but this is one of the few movies as far as, like, introducing, um you know black characters where i can think of like say a white cop with a black boss i mean you get much more of that kind of like black and white buddy comedy in the 80s but uh, the, the, this seems kind of uh, unusually early for to have that uh, yeah. especially for his superior to be black but
0: to also point out that out of the 40 million uh, Residents of New York, there's one black
1: guy, <laughs> so uh,
0: there's that. That is no, there's two because you also have the priest. Yeah, it's almost as white as Kramer versus Kramer. But that, um, is, true. that is, is very white. It's New York City and it's Hollywood, baby. White people breed
1: like rabbits. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So many white people. <laughs> um. So anyway, you, you get to the point where uh, Thorne is talking about how he he's like this. This was an assassination. Everything looks fake. He's like the, you know, even the assassin he's using, like a, you know, like a crowbar. He's using like a meat hook, as he calls it. Uh, and it's too it's on the nose. Uh, but he suspects the bodyguard. I will take this second to talk about the bodyguard. The bodyguard is played by Chuck Connors. Yeah. who uh, love that jacket. At this point, people watching this movie in the 70s would have known him from, he had a uh, decently long-running TV show called The Rifleman. Oh, uh, he was the lead. But it was also one of the um, the early jumping boards for Sam Peckinpah. Uh, He wrote, uh, you know, scripts for The Rifleman, and he directed a few episodes. Um, And he has kind of a thing; he was kind of known, but you don't. He he pops up here and there, but it's definitely like it's a there's a point to having Chuck Connors play the bodyguard. That's awesome. Um, So. Yeah. Oh, you also have okay. So then you have after that whole scene, you have Thorne, who suspects the bodyguard. So he decides to go to the bodyguard's pad to go check it out, and the bodyguard himself has his own furniture. Uh, <laughs> who both of us is funny like, like kind of looks all like respect, a guy. L- yeah, looks like a man. Like even the way that she is like her a uh, dope silk robe is taped to her chest you know and to the point that I'm not even like I'm not saying this derogatorily I'm saying this in the way that like I couldn't tell if they were trying to imply something, or if they were trying to be progressive. (laughs) I don't know
0: either. I don't know either, because um, there's quite a bit of ADR in this film. Mm -hmm. A lot of it Heston. I don't know if he was just like hammered, or they just didn't have the booms working that day. But there's quite a bit of ADR, so I'm like, oh, they just replaced that guy with like
1: a woman's voice. Yeah, it is like she is... I guess we could uh, look up nice the game. the
0: actor, or actress, or whatever on uh, yeah. IMDb and just put it into this right
1: now. But wow. you do get into uh, there's this really interesting scene where she's you know sucking on this like strawberry jam and she's trying to hide it. Uh, the door comes, she's like you know like oh, oh I'm not dressed, I'm blah, 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 you know and but she leaves like the spoon out and he comes in and checks it out and their apartment is really interesting and I one of the things I love about this movie and the the production design in this movie that I think is uh, really look forward to things that we, you know, take uh, as high, elevated production design in sci-fi movies in the, the '80s, like things like Blade Runner and stuff. Uh, this movie, the the design, especially in this apartment, where you have uh, a really obviously old, dingy, smoked-out apartment, um, but they have like a lot of really dope new furniture like actual sitting in. Front oh of yeah. That's what's. um, and so you have this, like this crazy, like, you know, tension between these two, these two elements. And I think it, it, it is so cool. And he kind of walks around and he's kind of reading the apartment and he's like, oh, you have a, you know, not a furnace, but a little like, uh, you know, the burning hole, like the little, uh, like, what a, incinerator, incinerator. Yeah. Um, Said, that hasn't been used in years. I and mean, she seems so suspicious. She's like, oh, obviously you've been burning up some I don't know what to be burning up, like wasted food? Like yeah. you waste it. Um Yeah. So you have like alright. Well, I've come yeah, to the bottom of it. Uh
0: Man or Woman, what do you think? I
1: Violet. mean I'm gonna say woman.
0: Yeah, but... me too, and it was. Okay. And we've seen a movie that she was in before. What was she in? Trouble Man.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I know. Well, I didn't recognize her. It's been like over a year since I've seen the movie. so Sorry, girl. Yeah. She's still alive, 74. Yeah, no, I mean, she sells it. But she does seem very masculine. Maybe because she has a shaved head?
0: Um,
1: oh, and then, okay, so I guess this is uh, in in my notes. Uh, the This dinner scene we talked about earlier between Thorne and uh, Edward G. Robinson happens right after this. And one of the little like, uh, things I kind of wanted to touch on, I, I love how... During that scene Edward G Robinson's like eating this food and he's very enthusiastic but he's doing little things and you see Charlton Heston kind of imitating him because he doesn't know he doesn't know how to respond to this this is all totally new to him yeah and there's uh, a little brief little scene where you have Edward G Robinson like rubbing an apple like you know shining it up on his clothes mm-hmm. and then you see Charlton Heston like look at him and he kind of does the same because he doesn't know like he doesn't know, he doesn't the, know the how to do it yeah, yeah. So he's like oh this is how you do it. Um, and it's just one of those little details that, uh, and apparently that whole scene was ad lib that wasn't even supposed to be in the film. Really?
0: Yeah, I was just reading about that, and they're just like, they just went with it, both of them. I love Put it. Put a camera on it.
1: So they have this whole scene, they're, they're doing the dinner thing, and they're, they're, they're talking. And then, uh, at the end of it, uh, Thorne is about to go head out and go to work. And he's like, Here, try this. And Edward G. Robinson, like, tries the spoon that he stole from, uh, the bodyguard's furniture, and uh, he's like, oh, strawberries. Yeah. Like $150 a jar, you know? And that's kind of, again you know, one of these clues, like, well, why does this bodyguard have, like, uh, you know, spending $150 a jar on strawberries? Mm-hmm. Um And then we kind of go, oh, then we see a scene with uh, the guy who sold the Degenerate, the crowbar, earlier in the movie. Uh, he comes to the police station, and he's talking to Thornton's boss, and he's like, "We're dropping this case. You're dropping this case," and he like pays him off. Um, and then we end up going to a furniture party. Yeah, I know. God,
0: and for a minute, I was like, "Wait a second, is Heston seriously going to leave this party?" But he merely just takes the piece of furniture that he sat on before, and oh uh, yeah, can proceeds to sit on it again. It was oh like, yeah, get into the bedroom and whatever.
1: And, uh, Well I love how it's like, he's like, I'm conducting business. But he's very, like, it's never, like, super heated. It's not like he's like, oh, he's just grabbing her and he's just, like, overrun with passion. It's just like, all right, I'm here. I see all you furniture. And he's like, you, yeah, let's go talk. And he's like, he goes in the room and he's like, okay, in the bed. Yeah. And it's just like, this is, like, what, this is, like, it's very matter of fact. There's no, like, you know, he's not, like, I guess cause because she's French, or like he's not trying to like win her over or worry about her or anything. He's just like, oh, okay, well, you're going to answer my questions, but uh, yeah. I'm going to fuck you. After all, you are a love seat. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what happens. It.
0: <laughs> There's so sure. much uh, that happens in this movie that you're like, oh, that's not been done. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think it's been done since. I don't think you could do it again now. But. Um, what what they do with it is uh, great. I mean, this is an NGM movie, again. Mm-hmm. So this actually had a budget. I mean, to was still a name at this point and stuff like that. So this isn't like an AIP picture. Yeah. But, man, they really... I, I, I really like this film. Yeah, <laughs> I, totally. I really like this because this is like my wheelhouse of just like pure enjoyment. Like, I loved, you know, how I was just saying I watched Alien and stuff like that. Like, any kind of sci-fi... You know the future is fucked or like this is it this is where we are now and then you can like sell me on whatever world you're in mm. like i'm totally in and uh so much in that uh not me personally but yes and uh the band green day named their goddamn band after this man
1: oh, that makes this. sense yeah because yeah, tuesday is green day yeah I and even the green day and even their font on their uh oh. yeah, yeah, yeah interesting so while he's doing this, while he's talking to her and he's trying to get the, the low down, he is talking to her and he realizes, you know, that he kind of already knew that uh Samson, Simonson was involved with the governor and these little things here and there and he's trying to figure out like, well, you know, what was going on? And she's like, Well, you know, he wasn't you know, really weird around the end and he took me to church. Uh you know, and he said, like, well, "You know, what? You know why church? You know?" She's like, "I don't know. It's just whatever." He went talk to the priest, and there's a really good line when he's in bed with her. And he's like, "You know what?" You know, he a "Man, like Simonson is like, I had an apartment like this, and I had bourbon, mm-hmm. and I had furniture. Yeah. I wouldn't take you to church. Hell no." <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't see me in church. Uh, so then, like after this, like. He's kind of clued in. He goes to the church, uh, which is a big mission, uh, holding all these people. And he, he tries to track down the priest that Simonson saw. Uh, he ends up finding the guy, and they kind of talk briefly. And the guy eventually kind of remembers him. He's like, oh, yeah, he's a rich guy. We don't get a lot of rich guys here. And Blah, blah, blah. Um... Yeah, so then all that goes on. He kind of like leaves. He kind of gets a little bit of information, but not a whole lot. Uh, goes back to work and finds out that they're like, we are shutting this case down because they've been paid off.
0: Yeah, that's a wrap, Jack.
1: Yeah, totally. He's like, he's like, I'm not doing that.
0: He's like, <laughs> I like that the, the you know the scenes where they actually show like when they were producing the soylent green or soylent red, soylent yellow. When oh yeah. The, the townspeople are going and uh, you find out like. You know, one chick is super bummed out because she only gets a quarter of a kilo. Yeah. Which is great because it's like, oh, America switched over to the metric system. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, it never caught on, but, uh, yeah, too, too bad, though. <laughs> and the other one is, like, it kind of reminds me of how my dad would uh, describe, like, that Jimmy Carter grass ca- uh, gas crisis thing, uh-huh. where you get the things and you just, like, have your ticket and you'd wait in line for gas like oh you're on an even day or you're on an odd day and it's like obviously that was like a little bit into the future yeah but I, I mean
1: to talk it's, about
0: hitting the nail on the no head, kidding that was crazy like cause that happened in 79 and this film was in 1972 yeah totally and pretty much them waiting for Soylent was just like waiting for Diesel or Unleaded
1: totally well then, as like you know, has he say, I'm not you know doing this. Not on my damn job. He he causes a stir that the guy with the sunglasses and the pink hat He has to go see the governor in uh, the Gramercy Park Tree Sanctuary. Yes, <laughs> a little tent. Yes, with like some little sticky twigs as trees. Like this is the tree sanctuary. This is it. This, this is, is, is where the last it, trees on earth. This is where Mother Nature resides. Uh, and Central the, Park. Yeah, the governor's like he hears like what's going on. Pink hat's just like, hey, this guy is fucked up. He talked to the priest. And the governor's like, you yeah, know, take care of him. You know, whatever. And so they send Chuck Connors to go and see the priest. And he goes in for confession and just shoots him in the fucking face. Yeah. And it's a really, like, it's, a, it's still kind of a shocking scene. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It seems so abrupt. It's yeah. Like, it's like, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been six months since my last confession. Boom! boom. Yeah, that is... Amazing, and then right after that, you do have like yeah the the market riot where you have a uh, the guy the original assassin who killed Simonson is now after Thorne, and Thorne is on riot duty, and they just give him like basically just means that you just wear everything you're wearing, basically you a football helmet. Yeah, and they, they he Control shows up down to the market, and uh, the market's running out of soil and green. Like they're like oh there's some like you know just delivery issue whatever. And, yeah, people just, like, start freaking out. And then the assassin's, like, shooting at Charlton Heston. And he's, like, and he, but the guy keeps shooting everyone next to Charlton Heston. So he's, like, surrounded by, he's, like, tossing dead bodies left and right. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone's, like, okay, like, control, t- control us where we're going to find the, the scoops. And yes. they end up sending in, like, these garbage trucks, like, with these scoops. Uh, yes. These dump trucks. And they're just, like, scooping people into the back of the dump truck. Just, like, waste. And then eventually, like, uh, you know, the the shootout, uh, the assassin is underneath, like, one of the scoops that comes down Mm -hmm. and it crushes him.
0: That whole scene reminds me of uh, Donald Sutherland and the Day of the Locusts, which Uh, came out, like, roughly around the same time, but it takes place in... In the 20s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, like, that mob of people getting, like, ran over and crushed or whatever. It's... Pretty cool. They yeah. use like kind of the same effect in, um, what was it, the King Kong movie? I think the one from the 70s where all the people looked like they were getting crushed.
1: No, oh, I never saw the, the 70s King Kong. Okay, it it's like crazy. that.
0: Where it's just like an oversaturation of people in just this one place. It's yeah. just like super claustrophobic as fuck, but I think so that Green pulls it off a little bit better because they just add that like layer of, um, dirtiness. Yeah. And also like, uh,. Uh, what's the right word? I'm so bad at articulating right now. But desperation. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm just trying to get motherfucking food in this five-gallon plastic jug filled with water, and yeah. all these scoops come in, start scooping my family, and I got these goddamn football helmets mm-hmm. walking around trying to get shot by assassins. It's absurd. Tuesday
1: sucks. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally true. <laughs> so right around this time, you have um, Edward G. Robinson's character. It, it takes the book. That uh, Thorne brought to him from uh, the Soylent Oceanic Corporation or whatever. And uh, he takes it to these old, he goes very technical books. So he takes it to this library full of like elderly people who are like crazy scholars. And he's like, okay, look this over. And they're like, look, things aren't good. <laughs> they explain what the books tell him. And he's like, fuck. And so he ends up walking to was kind of like the euthanasia center. Yeah. Um. And he, you yeah, know, he heads out there and he leaves a little note at home and he's like, I'm, you know, uh, it's funny, everyone writes, they don't have like iPads or anything in the, 2020. They have uh, those little like doodle pads you have when you're a kid where you have a piece of plastic on the gray and you like, you lift it up off the wax backing and then you can rewrite with your little stylus. That's how everyone writes their notes here. Yeah. Uh So, uh, Thorne sees this and he ends up like, you know, running to the the same center and it's funny, Dick Van Patten, like just weird, like all people is like kind of like the, the steward in this clinic and they, they kind of find out like what, you know, what's your favorite color? What kind of music do you want to listen to? And he's like, I love my favorite color is orange and I like (laughs) classical. I like, like classical. Yeah. You'll like it. Um, So, Edward Robinson is taken into uh, this room. It's basically like an IMAX. He's in a little, like, a a bed. And they, like, start pushing some buttons. And, you know, obviously, like, he's being maybe injected with whatever, some sort of poison, or maybe the air um, is being poisoned. Uh, Charles Manson busts his way through. He, like, forces his way into, like, you know, watching it. And you have this really, like, moving scene. Uh, This is also the final scene that Edward G. Robinson films. This is his 101st film. Um, You know, he had been a major player in, especially in the 30s. Like, he was like the first of the big gangsters of the, the sound era when he did Little Caesar. And he continued, you know, like he was up there with, like, you know, Cagney and. You know Humphrey Bogart and George Raft and Paul Muni, and even in the forties, as he kind of like switched into more noir, and he was even doing more character actor work. He did like you know Double Indemnity, but he started with like Fritz Lang in Woman in the Window and Scarlet Street, and he he done like a lot of a lot of stuff. And he was also like one of those like big uh, he played these like rough people in Hollywood, but he was also a really sophisticated uh, artsy guy, kind of like Vincent Price. But uh, so this is his last scene. It's actually one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, um, I was moved by it. Yeah. You see him, like, he basically watches this giant IMAX of beautiful parts of Earth. Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, so from, like, underwater scenes to, you know, deer and blooming flowers and sunsets and all of these things that he's been denied in uh, this new toxic Earth. And as Charlton Heston's also watching it, you know, eventually they're able to talk Saul. That's Everett's name. Uh, you know, they they talk about it. And and Saul's like, you know, this is really is so beautiful. And, and Thorne is like, you know, how would I know? Like, I would, I, you know, you've been talking about this forever, about how like great the days were back when. But it's like, I, I had no way of knowing what yeah. this was. Um, and it is a really moving scene. I mean, I think it's a moving scene. On its own, but I think also, like, knowing that this is, like, the the last scene that Edward G. Robinson would shoot and he would die 12 days later. I mean, he does look very convincingly like he's dying. Yeah. Because um, he was. And a
0: uh, thing that I ran out of this movie was he didn't tell anybody in the cast or crew that he was dying of cancer, but obviously he knew, mm-hmm. and... Uh, when it came time to shoot that scene, Heston found out. Yeah. And then, so they both knew that this was the last scene they were going to film together and also this is the last scene he's going to have and that's why there's real tears coming out of Heston's eyes during the filming of that scene because it was yeah. that emotional. And you're like, that's what movies are made of. Right yeah, there. it's
1: really, it's a it's a dynamite scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, that alone is worth watching this movie for. Um, but during the scene... Uh, and it's actually really like I, I like, okay. So I'm i gonna pause for just a second talking about the director mm-hmm. uh, Richard Fleischer, who's a really interesting and very very underrated director. Um, he had started out like like years earlier. I I I would put him somewhere in between like uh, you know someone like Don Siegel and you know like I don't know like. Uh, well, I love me some seagulls. Yeah, like, well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, oh, who's the other guy? I'm, I'm blanking. But uh, he, he had a really long career, and he had, he's not really given as much attention, I think his movies kind of like jump around all over the place, but starting with uh, even things like The Narrow Margin, which is a really dynamite uh, film noir from the early 50s. They they later remade it with Gene Hackman in the like 80s and 90s. Uh, but the original is so dynamite, he like, uh, his kind of woman, and a lot of, you know, early 50s films, but he, his career would go on, he'd do a lot of these kind of, like, you know, more masculine, you know, action movies, and he'd do, like, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, Red Sonja, and Conan the Destroyer, and, you know, he had this, a really long, crazy career, but, uh he also did, like, it's funny, our previous episode was about um, The Time Machine, and... Uh, Richard Fleischer actually did the the Disney version of Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with Kirk Douglas and James Mason, which is, still holds up as a, a really good movie. So he had a really, like, interesting and quality career, but I think he's never really talked about as, like, an auteur or, like, someone mm. that you, like... He also did Mandingo. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he needed, like, so many, like, crazy movies. But, yeah, I think he's a really under director. But... Uh, in the scene, speaking of the direction, mm-hmm. you have Saul explaining what is going on to Thorne, but we, we don't hear the sound. Uh, the sound goes out in their communication system. He has to put headphones in, and then he hears it, and then we watch the lip reading. And uh, This is one of those, like, I mean, at this point, every, everyone who's heard of this movie, I think, knows what the, the end, like, you know, spoiler is. But I think like audiences going in, uh, not figuring it out. I think this is a really good element of suspense. You know, yeah. kind of like keep that, keep that going on. Um, yeah. So he knows,
0: he knows, so he knows the jig is up. So he uh, jumps in the back of one of those dump trucks. Which I love the garbage men. Uh, by garbage men, I mean uh, pallbearers. Yeah, and <laughs> whatever. The hearse of the 21st century in this world is a garbage truck, and they're all dressed like ninjas. Yeah. Like, uh, it's... I know, weird. fantastic. Yeah. They go to some factory plant and uh, where the Soylent Green is made, and he comes to find out that all those people in the euthanasia clinic going to die are then turned into Soylent Green. And Heston's had enough. Which, I mean, if that's the thing that's driving you over the edge in this fucking world, it's like, honestly, chill out and go fuck some furniture.
1: Yeah, it's kind of true. Like, why
0: are you making a big fuss about it? If your boss wants you to stop doing it, and as long as you can keep doing what you do and living in that, Everyone's like... Everyone's a
1: cannibal. Just eat Soylent Yellow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's beans, just like... They say.
0: They say, yeah, who knows what Soylent Yellow is. Maybe it's made out of, like, bad farts. Um, yeah. Because Green tastes that much better. The fact that Soylent yeah. Green tastes so good... That people are freaking out and just going apeshit for that and it sells out in a hot minute. I don't oh, yeah. even want
1: to know what red and yellow's about. Honestly, like at that point and this is just like I like just kill people and eat them. Circle of life. Do you know what I mean? Like really it's like there are literally there's fresh meat out in your hallway. Mm-hmm. Like you just start killing them and yeah. either they move out of your hallway or you just eat fresh meat every day. I don't, I don't know. know, it's a win win. I don't understand like why is that such a big deal? Like these people are going to
0: die. And they get assured 20 minutes of bliss before they go, which is brutal. <laughs> like, am I sure? Am I really getting this 20 minutes? Yes, yeah. you're, you're fine. And like, that's really a bargaining chip. I know. And uh, they die, and then they get turned into, uh, like, you know, green chips. Mm-hmm. And fuck it. Whatever. It's good. I feel like it's like, me need to start being hippie in this new, like, recycle, <laughs> reduce, reuse. I know. It's true. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's so true. Um, but I can understand why no vegetation grows. Like, everyone's eating these chips. No one's taking shits.
1: Uh, this it's fucking. It's also one of those really bleak weird bleak moments where it's like he realized, like, yeah, there is no plankton. Like, there is, the oceans are dying. You yeah. Know? And you're just like, it's like those things where you're like, it's like the road, you know, where you're like, the earth is dying mm-hmm. around you. Like, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. And also, like, we haven't really even talked about, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, like, you know, a lot of the environmental stuff and the. Uh, you know, the greenhouse effect. But the fact that everyone's sweating because it's so fucking hot. Yeah. Like, everyone, it's so humid. And I like so that effect. Gross. Everyone is just melting. And even just like when he's in that apartment, that like really fancy apartment, he's like, turn the AC up. And then even like the furniture is just like, we will turn the AC up like winter, like it used to be. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, like in New York City when it got cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a trip. Chocolate chip. I yeah. like... This film a lot, and it's another one of those like,
1: wow, really holds its test time. I know. Um, you also have like, so then right around this point, you have uh, the furniture gets a new owner, <laughs> oh, and this yeah. guy shows up, and he's just like, hey, all right, I've been wanting to get in here for two years. Yeah, and he's just like, so you know, like I you know, like I don't, you know, I eat breakfast at whatever, I don't eat lunch, and I will plan the dinners, and then like I entertain like three or four times a week. And sometimes you want to be alone and you scuttle off. And sometimes you need to be fun. Are you fun? Mm -hmm. You know? Like, just crazy. Um, I would totally try to be a piece of furniture. (laughs) I know, right? I mean, (laughs) it's a better life. Even with some gross scumbag, you're like, then live in a stairwell. And have your, you know, be dead and have your baby chained to you. Yeah. Um, Which is, we've seen this movie. Yeah. Yeah no so yeah they have like Charlton Heston like going going after the factory they get in that huge fight and then he escapes and then yeah yeah the homeboy
0: that uh, gets the the priest ends up getting Heston in the Mm -hmm. belly and uh, yeah it just comes down to it and just one of those you know Scarface style Tent City shacks that holds way too many people than it should and uh yeah he gets his man at the end but then also he's on his last leg and he's telling this police cast and that shows up at the end like yo just want to let you know it's people and he's like whatever he's like tell everybody he's like cool and then that's it that's the movie like (laughs) Like, no one gives a fuck no
1: one gives a shit like that is we're like we're still gonna eat yeah soylent green (laughs) yep so yeah I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think right. that is
0: it. And I like uh, I like this uh, this new block that we're doing with the. Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to see how dark it's gonna get. But I don't think you can get much darker than Silent Green. Yeah, I mean, we could be fucked up and do the road, but do we really want to go down yeah. that road? I know, right? Bidich. It's funny. The book is so much better than the movie. I couldn't do the movie when it's something that. Gnarly and bleak, and there's just no like. Ugh. I know. I'm like, do I really want to feel like this for two hours? <laughs> I mean, I love that Butch and Vigo, but
1: I can only I go so far. Yeah, it's that's a that's a thing. Um, but yeah, so that is it. All right. Um, I think uh, yeah. No, I love this movie. I think this is a really good version of environmental apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I like some of these things. I think are like uh potentially real like i you know i think that there are a lot of fucking people even there's a thing recently you know uh uh bill gates you know is has that foundation of trying to get rid of all disease you know they're like oh if we get rid of all disease like what's going to happen and he was like showing like a graph of like the world population and he's just like oh okay so right now we're at like whatever like 8 billion people but like with this, then we'll go to like eleven billion people, which is a lot of people, but uh it's <laughs> trying to like you're like, Oh, okay, cool. So your best scenario is that like our population is gonna like It's like gonna like a like, you know, almost twice as many people as we have right we now. We just really needed terrible.
0: to listen to uh Bob Barker at the beginning of the prices,
1: right? When or neutered. the end you just get spayed or neutered. I mean, no, please everyone. That's it, a little lesson, like Just all of us, like, get spayed or neutered or only do, like, butt sex.
0: Or let's let's just do the children of men for, like, 18 years. Yes. Let's just not have children for a generation and then get back to it. Which also reminds me funny.
1: like, you know, talking about, like, the nuclear winter, I'm, like... With the greenhouse effect, I'm, like, well, you know, like, you almost want, like, a nuclear winter. I'm, like, just, (laughs) like, why? Like, can we just have a little mini version of that? Like, can we do, like, a little... Nuclear spring. Baby, it's cold outside. Nuclear fall. <laughs> Can we like buffer it? Uh yeah. Well,
0: we'll buffer it. will we'll get nuclear and we'll keep it purely casual. Yes.